Canes fans, what's going on? Peter Ariz here. Welcome in to another edition of the Canes Insight Podcast. Today, I will be previewing this weekend's UVA matchup with Jackie Franchuli of Wahoos247.com. She does a great job giving us the insight to this Virginia team that is on a back-to-back game win streak here. And, of course, knocking off the North Carolina Tar Heels last week in a big comeback victory for them on the road, a team that Miami had issues with the week before that. And the Canes coming off of their big win against the Clemson Tigers. D-Money and I did a post-game live show. D-Money was driving home from the game. Uh, so if you guys haven't checked that one out, it was a fun episode to do uh, after the big win. And just uh, really, really could be the, the the turning point for this team this season. Uh, we hope they can continue this this stretch here with uh, you know wins the next couple of weeks heading into that Florida State game. But looking at this game against Virginia, Jackie Franchuli, Miami graduate, uh, she does a great job covering the team up there in Charlottesville, and she'll be joining the show in just a bit here to be breaking it all down. She did a great job. And again, Titanic, official Canes Insight watch parties. Going to be a lot of away games the rest of the year. I know a lot of you are looking for a place to watch it with other Canes fans. Titanic Restaurant and Brewery, best game day deal in town. Dollar Wings, Dollar Jumbo Shrimp. And I will be there for all the away games moving forward rest of the year. Sign up for Canes Insight forums, completely free and the best place you're going to find any recruiting info is D-Money always dropping. The ATM and the bank updates, the X's and O's breakdowns are coming. Looks like multiple times a week now as we have Wes Enzo, Nick Echeverria with his breakdown videos and his posts on the website. And, of course, Lance Roffer's Hurricane Vision doing great work. We have the Steve Kim post game write-ups that are always entertaining to read and filled with historical insight. So canesinsight.com, we give it to you 360 degrees coverage, and it's completely free. You're not going to get this stuff anywhere else, but without much further ado, Jackie Franchuli breaking down Virginia and Miami this weekend. All right, Canes fans, excited for this next guest here on the Canes Insight Podcast. Jackie Franchuli from Wahoos 247, getting us the inside look at Virginia football. Of course, Miami hosting the Cavaliers this weekend. Jackie, appreciate you coming on the show today. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you. I found out before the show you have some Miami roots yourself. Um, so, you know, I'm sure this, this matchup a little more interesting this week, looking at what happened previous week, of course, the Cavaliers beating North Carolina and Miami knocking off Clemson. It didn't look like this was going to be a very glamorous matchup heading into this week, but, um, after last week, definitely some, some positive things for both sides. Yeah, it's going to be, in a, I, I think for both teams, the key is to ride that emotional high that both of them had last weekend with the overtime win for Miami, but also the emotional close game win for Virginia, who's lost so many close games the last two seasons to finally kind of get over that finish line and beat a top ranked team. A first time for a 
for the program to beat a top 10 team on the road. So a lot of emotions, especially with Virginia, who's gone through a lot over the last few years off the field as well as on. So it's for both of these teams, the key for me is not to get on the field and have that emotional carryover, that hangover. So who can start off quickest? Because I think at the end of the day, that's going to be the key too for this for both of these teams is to start off quick because I think if you're trying to come from behind, you're going to get in trouble rather quickly. The two and five record for Virginia heading into this game, probably a bit deceiving because of some close games and a tough start to the season schedule wise. But just talk about how this team has been able to rally after that 0 and five start, win the last two games. I mean, it's 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 crazy the turnaround. Yeah, sure. I mean, when you start off against Tennessee, that's quite a hello, welcome to your back to college football season. But this team has had a lot dealt with it. I mean, first, you have the emotions of returning to your first college football game since the November shooting against Tennessee. And then against JMU, you're playing at your home stadium for the first time in a college football game. So a lot of emotional milestones for this team. And even against JMU, I mean, they had a tribute before the end of the game and all the players lined up at the end zone. I'm, that's like burying your brothers and teammates again. And then they played a football game and they went behind and they played that game and they were winning. And then a weather delay came. But if you know anything about adrenaline, when you're pumping that adrenaline full in your body, you're winning. And then you have something that just kind of dies you down there. I mean, it was hard for them to come back out. They probably were emotionally drained. So that was, yeah. you know, look at that first two games in a little different light. And then you also have to considering all the injuries Virginia had on the defensive side of the ball. Not only did their quarterback get hurt in the season opener, their starting quarterback, and they had to go to true freshman Sunshine State native Anthony Calandria, but they also lost Suaganloe, which is a, a guy in a two deep a defensive tackle for the year after he celebrated and hurt both of his knees in the celebration, taking off for the rest of the season. In the third game, they lost Cam Butler, one of their best Ed rushers for the season. Then you've got Antonio Clary, another Sunshine State native, never played this year, hurt his ankle and is recovering from surgery right now. No idea when he's back. Lost running, running back Xavier Brown wow. during fall camp. Then they also lost Dre Walker, their freshman corner, who had his first pick of his career against Boston College during his celebration, also got hurt. So now you're in the third right. deep. Then Malcolm, Malcolm Green got a concussion. In the, I mean, that's how this season has been the first half of the season. They were playing several true freshmen that they weren't expecting to play on that side of the ball. So when you look at some of those stats, you're like, okay, a lot of this is injuries. A lot of it is lack of experience. And they also, through all that, they also had to figure out how to play a whole different new O-line and rebuilding process. And as you know, every game is won in the trenches. Right. So now the O-line is getting better. I mean, they had the best performance against North Carolina. They dominated the line of scrimmage um, after Brian Stevens moved from guard to center. Then you have Ty Furnish, who played a little bit at right guard. They're kind of playing on that right side, moving guys from tackle to guard. They have a rotation of about four guys there. They settled on that left side, and they were able to establish the run in two games in a row, which is something they haven't done since Tony Elliott and his staff has been on grounds. So that's what they wanted. So you're seeing a more balanced offense with you know guys like Malik Washington being one of the best receivers in the conference, and I could even say in the nation right now with his numbers, and that's where you're starting to see pieces together. Guys are getting healthier, guys are coming back, and the O-line is getting better. So 
those first games, there was a lot of moving pieces as to why some of these things were going on. And I mean, also when you have interceptions, I mean, uh, I think Calandria had four in that game against Maryland. When you have turnovers, when you have ill-time penalties, those things will, will hurt you. So against North Carolina, they kind of died. They kind of make those things a little less relevant, although they did have two turnovers. I mean, they lost a turnover battle against North Carolina. Other things started to click into place for them. Yeah, and I think, you know, the Miami players understanding this isn't your normal two and five team, especially looking at what happened against Georgia Tech. They definitely are not taking this matchup lightly. Um, the quarterback situation, you, you alluded to it, a pretty interesting situation there as Tony Musket comes in from Monmouth as the starting quarterback to start the year, gets hurt in game one. Anthony Colandrea from St. Pete, I believe, uh, comes in doesn't win a game, but shows some exciting moments to Cavaliers fans, is able to do some things with his feet as well. Uh, but then Musket now has come back after that injury that he suffered in, in the first game and has provided a bit of stability there at the position. Yeah, I mean, it, it was really bad luck in Tennessee. You had two very key injuries happening in that season opener. Uh, Musket was someone that the staff was very excited about in the transfer portal. I mean, they needed a quarterback in the portal and they found Musket and that was their guy. He's a Virginia native. That's what Virginia has done in the portal. Want to got to keep guys home. So they went after guys that left the state and brought them back. So that's been kind of like what they've done in the portal. And with Musket, they saw a guy that could run their offense. And I mean, you can see the flashes now. I mean, the first game back was Boston College and you saw a little bit in that first half, obviously the second half. Uh, they kind of went away a little bit from what they were succeeding in the first half. And you see the confidence that he's gained from playing the next three games. Uh, you also see that he's earned the respect of his locker room. So whenever you have a situation like you described of a younger guy coming in and showing that moxie or um, Tony Ali calls it the Florida swag. When you see a guy come in that has that personality, you you might consider thinking like, oh, maybe there's a locker room issue where maybe some players want one quarterback, some players want the other. That's not the case. Tony Musket is playing hurt. That shoulder that he hurt against Tennessee is not his throwing arm, but it will need surgery. He had a choice of having surgery now and not playing for the rest of the season or have it after the season. He chose after the season because he wants to play this year. So he's right. earned the respect of his teammates there. And what you saw against UNC is – we always knew that Musket had a pretty accurate arm and pretty strong arm, but we didn't really know what he could bring as far as the ground game. And then against North Carolina, you saw that he had the ability to read the defense and knowing when to run with the football. He had 66 yards rushing against North Carolina. And because of that added little wrinkle to this offense, you open things up for Malik Washington, who have another 100-yard receiving day. And you also open it up things for the running game as well with Paris Jones, Mike Hollins, and Kobe Pace all contributing a lot for this Virginia offense. So Musket adds that little extra to this team. And I mean, it must be nice having Malik Washington and Malachi Fields as your targets too when you're a quarterback. Yeah, and, and listen, Washington coming over from Northwestern, ACC's leading receiver, just to put things in perspective for the Canes fans listening, Washington has 56 receptions this year. Two more than Xavier Restrepo, and Canes fans know how, how often Restrepo is targeted and how much he gets the ball. Uh, so Malik Washington, and you mentioned Malachi Fields as well, um, who, who's having a very, very good season in his own right. They're definitely going to test this Miami secondary that, 
at times has has looked vulnerable this season. So that is for sure going to be a, a matchup to watch. You you mentioned the run game has not been the strongest this season, 103rd ranked rushing offense in the country, but it has come alive the last couple of weeks. So we'll be very interested to see um, how, how they look this week against the Canes. Yeah, for sure. I think that's the key for this game for both teams is who can establish the run is going to be what we'll be watching because Virginia's run defense isn't the strength of that side of the ball. And for Virginia, they've proven if they can run the ball, they're really good at keeping the ball. So that's the key for UVA is because of the depth concerns I talked about, about injuries. I mean, they're still down a couple key players. So you don't want your defense out there very long. So the establishing the run is going to be crucial for Virginia if they want to get the upset. On the defensive side of the ball uh, for for the Cavaliers, um, 92nd ranked total defense in the country. So it's not like this has been, uh, you know, an unstoppable force. Uh, but some key players to, to watch out for uh, from Miami's perspective uh, would be who? Yeah, sure. So up front, you have Jameer Carter and Aaron Famui. They're your uh, two defensive tackles. And you have Chico Bennett is a very talented edge rusher. He was hurt for the first couple games of the season. He's back. See the trend? He's injured. Now he's back. So he's one to watch as well. Paula Curie is who got the big late hit against Drake May. He's one that comes in and rotates, and he's been hurt. He's back. So again, he's he's a very talented guy to put some pressure up there. I think the linebacker group in specifically has done a good job with Cam Robinson, a former four star in 24-7. He's come in and started for Virginia. Actually, I think Florida State was the one who were trying to flip him late in the signing cycle, but he wanted to stay home. Um, He lives about two hours away from Virginia, so playing for his home team was really big for him. So he's been playing very well. He's adjusting to the speed of the game, as all true freshmen are. But he's been pivotal. He's led the team in tackling for a couple games now, ever since taking that starting position. So Cameron, James Jackson, who got the pick at the end of the game against USN, Drake May. So these are the players, if Miami want to establish the run, you're going to have to keep an eye on. And in the secondary, I mean, when you look at those guys, I mean, that's the that's the position they had to play a little bit of musical chairs in the offseason because of the injuries that hampered them. A guy's moved from safety to corner, then moved from corner to safety. Um, but Malcolm Green and Sam Westfall are one course. Cohen King is probably the most steady force. They don't have a lot of speed back there. They lost that with Antonio Clary being out. But they do have a couple guys that have shown some good development and coverage. So guys like Cohen King is also someone to watch for. And Jonas Sanker, another Virginia player that is has done well is one of their best tacklers in this team. So for the defense, like I said, they need to shut down Miami's Miami's run game. I mean, the one thing that I was a little shocked at North Carolina abandoned the run so quickly against Virginia. Um, if you look at the fourth quarter, they didn't try. They just kind of leaned on the passing game, which Virginia had was doing a pretty good job defending them. They actually do a pretty good job on the passing defense. But UNC abandoned the run, and in the sometimes when they scored those two long touchdowns, they were running the ball. I think they had 36 yards rushing on one touchdown drive and 40 yards in the other, and then poof, the run game just went away. So if you're Miami, you're looking at the last few games, looking at the game of UNC, it's like, if we can establish the run, then we can control this game because that's Virginia's weak link on the defensive side. I think when you look at the passing game, Virginia has done a good job in coverage. Um, and then obviously you just want to force Tyler Van Dyke in turnovers. And Virginia has done a better job in the last two games of getting to the quarterback. 
Jackie, I, I wanted you to talk real quick about Tony Elliott and the job he's done, obviously, not only just on the football field, but taking this program through the unthinkable tragedy uh, that occurred la last year, right? So just the job he's done keeping everything tight and, and taking the program through this tough time. Yeah, I mean, Tony Elliott said it best on that press that it was Tuesday afternoon when he had the press conference, um, the one day after everyone found out about the shooting that Monday morning. Um, he said there's no game plan for this. I mean, when you're a head coach, you come in and you're focused on football games, you're game planning, you're scheduling, but you never think this is part of your job. This You never think this is going to happen to you. So for them, he's... He's he has a different approach now to his team. He has more of a personalized approach to his team. Before he was the head coach, and now you can see a little bit more of a personal relationship with these players. I mean, you can see the locker room, how close they are now. I mean, they've gone through something that united this team. I mean, every single time they step on the field, they're remembering Devin Chandler, Lavelle Davis, and Deshaun Perry, who's a Miami, Florida native. They always want to remember them. And they even wear, you know, you know, Will Betridge, another Gulliver Prep uh, mm -hmm. alum. He's wearing Deshaun's number right now. He chose to wear. He asked the Perry family to wear and honor Deshaun because Deshaun is the reason why Will decided to come to Virginia. So Tony Elliott has done, I think, an amazing job. It's unenviable what position he had of being that support system for these players. I mean, think about what these coaches had to deal with. The shooting happened November 13th. They canceled the rest of the season. And then they still had to recruit players in the transfer portal, sign a class, and sit in parents' living rooms who are no doubtly getting asked about the safety of players right. at UVA and all that. So they never had a break. It was, it was quite an emotional upheaval for this program. So there's no words that you can describe of what this staff was able to do and what Elliot and what these players have to do. I mean, these, some of these kids are 17, 18, 19 year olds. This is the, the worst thing that's ever happened in their lives. It's something that's so imaginable and they're still going out there and playing a game. So whenever Tony Elliott says it's bigger than football, you can understand why he's saying it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's nice to see them start to see some success on the field. I believe it was the first back-to-back uh, -back wins uh, that they've had in his tenure. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that, but um, yeah. So, you know, I know the Canes fans are going to, are, are going to be hoping that they don't get three in a row this weekend, but uh, really, really good to see that start to happen. And you look, Elliot was, was very highly sought after, in the coaching world uh, when he took that that Virginia job. So going to be cool to see him uh, continue to develop this program. Looks like there's bright times ahead for him. Uh, Jackie, I'll wrap it up with this. I, I mentioned your Miami ties before uh, in, in the intro. Kane's grad. Yes. You have any favorite memories from your time in Miami? And I don't know if you're you're coming down uh, to Ooh. make the trip this weekend, but do you have uh, you know a go-to restaurant you're gonna you're gonna oh, you know make it back to? Putting me on the spot for my favorite <laughs> memories. Um, I mean, unfortunately, when I went to Miami, um, it was during the last game of the Orange Bowl, so I unfortunately saw Virginia beat Miami forty-eight to nothing. So unfortunately, I get told that a lot by covering Virginia. Um, 
my best memory, honestly. Yeah, you had the Shannon slash golden years, I guess. So those I, I had, yes, I had the Shannon. And then I covered the Gators where Randy Shannon was uh, an assistant there. So I just kept following Randy Shannon. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think best memory. I mean, like Coconut Grove on Thursday nights was always yeah, a fun time. <laughs> but uh, no, I love, I just missed the campus. I mean, that was the best few years of my life. Just like going there and all, all, all enjoying my time in the campus there um the i was there during the new school communication build so i got yeah. to see that and and it was amazing to me that miami had better equipment than my first television station work so yeah so it was it, it was very fun but as far as restaurants you know i although i went to university of miami I actually was born in miami so lived in kendall um so bird road la cajeta um, la carreta, of course la carreta, yeah. that, that was my that was yeah. my jam um my, yep. we would go there for graduations dance recitals birthdays that's where we all would get and uh for breakfast and i'm sorry my son's homesick today so if you can see a little bit of a head he's uh popping up to say hi um he also likes uh ham croquetas we've uh we've introduced him to that we kind how of can you not cuban cuban food early there you go there you go that's i mean you you got him started right i'm sure he'll be drinking coladas in no time uh so. <laughs> hopefully not I, I, mom doesn't need that much energy <laughs> well jackie french really awesome insight on virginia football and listen it looks like your son is going to be podcasting with you uh pretty soon as well probably probably so Canes fans, listen, she's a Kane grad. If you need any UVA info, you can follow her on Twitter and her work on wahoos247.com. Jackie, thank you so much for your time today.